All right, today we are looking in Matthew chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, we're in Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18, passage of Scripture that you're going to be very familiar with, uh, because today we are beginning a, a new series of messages called Christmas Interruptions. And whenever you think about Christmas, I think a lot of times one of the things you think about with Christmas is is gift giving, opening gifts, the surprises that you have whenever you look at the gifts that you get. I know that many of you are probably already thinking about, I wonder how I'm going to be surprised this year. I mean, what is my husband, what incredible gift is my husband going to get me this year? And so we love surprises. Uh, I like surprises as much as the next guy. But there are times whenever you get a surprise that maybe you're not all that excited about. Um, we've all experienced this before. I remember whenever I was uh, driving, I was going back, I had a meeting up at the seminary uh, in North Carolina. I was driving from South Carolina to North Carolina, and I had the great surprise of, of my car breaking down in Latta, South Carolina. Now, I don't know how many of y'all have ever been to Latta before. It's a great little town, but it was not a surprise that I was really all that excited about. So there are times whenever surprises are not that fun, but there are other times whenever surprises are good. Now, there is a show on television called The X Factor. Um, I'm sure you're probably pretty familiar with it. The main judge on the show is a guy named Simon Cowell. Uh, that guy, one of the nicest guys that you'll ever see on television. And so Simon Cowell is a judge, and there's this guy that was doing an audition. He and a girl were. And as they were giving this audition, it was one of the most surprising moments that, that I have seen. And it was a good surprise. Now, because I'm sort of a geek um, with some of this stuff, we have a, a video of it. I want you to see this audition and just tell me if this would be surprising to you. So let, let's watch that video real quick. rather shocking and surprising. So when he began to sing, now Emily said the same thing to me whenever I sang to her like that. Uh, but today in our passage of scripture, we're going to see that on the very first Christmas, that there was a lot of surprising things that happened. And uh, for a guy named Joseph, Joseph did not necessarily think that all the Christmas surprises that he received on that first Christmas were good. But what he was going to discover is that the Christmas surprises that he was going to see were going to be things and surprises that would change your life 
and my life for an eternity. And so that's why we're going to look today in Matthew chapter 1 in verse number 18 in a few moments. But the birth of this passage of scripture is about the birth of Jesus. And the birth of Jesus, it was a watershed moment. Because his birth had been prophesied about for hundreds and hundreds of years. In Genesis 49.10, it was prophesied. Now think about that, Genesis. It was prophesied that the Messiah would be born from the tribe of Judah. That happened. Uh, we were told in Micah 5.2, hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, that Jesus or the Messiah would be born in a little town called Bethlehem. In Isaiah 7.14, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, it was prophesied that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Now these were all incredible predictions and every one of them came true. Surprising, and yet they came true. And by the time we get to this man named Joseph, Joseph was going to experience some surprises on Christmas as well. Now, I'm trying to look at Joseph in a new light, and that's one of the tough things about, about being a pastor. When you come to Christmas every year, you look at the same text over and over again, and you're like, well, what, what is there different about this text that I might not have ever seen before? And for the first time, I really thought about this text a little bit differently. And I was looking at Joseph, and I was thinking, what are some surprises that Joseph experienced on that first Christmas? And and I really hadn't thought about it before, but whenever you look at some of them, you're going to say, well, that was pretty obvious, and that would be a surprise. Now, here's the very first surprise that I see that Joseph had. First of all, his fiance. this is a surprise, his fiance was pregnant, and he wasn't the father. All right, now, guys, let me ask you a question. Would that be surprising to you? Now, I thought about Joseph. I was like, that would be a shocker. Okay, so here, let's take a look at it. This is, a very, this is his first Christmas surprise. My fiance's pregnant, and I'm not the dad. Now look in verse number 18. It says, The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. Now, Joseph and Mary at this time were engaged, and engagement was a little bit different than our engagements. Uh, it was There was a dowry that was involved. You would pay money to the family of the woman that you were going to marry. If you broke off the engagement, you had to pay the money back. Breaking off an engagement, it was like divorce. So, Joseph and Mary, they're engaged. Now, engagement for them meant... You didn't live together, and you didn't sleep together. Joseph was a good and righteous man. He had not had relations with Mary. He had not had sexual relations with her. As a matter of fact, we are told that in verse number 18. If you have your Bible, it says that Joseph discovered Mary was pregnant before, before they got married. So Joseph and Mary, they were pure in their relationship. They were waiting for the day when their marriage was official. And so here they are, they're an engaged couple, and I was trying to think about it, what that would have been like. So they're engaged, and I'm sure there was times when Joseph was with Mary, and I'm sure he was looking at her, and he was like, seems like her stomach's getting a little bit bigger. Now, how do you broach that subject? 
You know, he doesn't, I don't know if y'all, any of y'all have ever seen this before. Have you ever seen somebody or done this when someone is with child, or you think they are, but you're not sure? Have you ever seen somebody ask, hey, when's your baby due? And they weren't, they weren't having a baby? I've seen that happen before. Let me tell you something. It's really awkward. Um, it's, it's, it's rather uncomfortable. Now, Joseph, I'm sure, is sitting there thinking, she seems to be getting a little bit bigger. I don't want to say anything, though. Then after a while, it just keeps happening. I just envision it. She's getting bigger and bigger. And finally, he's like, what's going on here? And so Mary has to tell him. Mary shares with him, I am going to have a baby. Okay, this is a surprise. It's a surprise because Joseph has been pure. Verse number 18. He had not had intimate relationships with her. So she says, I'm going to have a baby. And then to make matters worse, she tells him, and you're not the father. So whenever I think of the very first Christmas surprise, I don't think of joy. I mean, I don't don't think this was a joyful moment in the life of Joseph. Now, for most of us, when we think about Christmas, we think about joy. I'm sure that you have a lot of great Christmas memories as you were growing up. I, I think about, for me, my grandmother making copious amounts of food when all the cousins and family would get together. My uncles and my aunt, they would take all the grandkids. There's like 15 or 16 of us. They'd take us out driving around town looking to see if we could see Santa and his sleigh up in the sky. And I think it was just for the rest of the parents to be able to be alone for a little while. And so there's a lot of joyful memories for me whenever I think about Christmas. It's about being with family But Christmas is not always joyful for all people. Matter of fact, it is a time of of sadness and depression for many people whenever you enter into the holiday seasons. Psychology Today had an article in their 2010 magazine that said psychiatrists, psychologists, and other mental health professionals report a significant increase in patients complaining about depression. One North American survey reported that 45% of respondents dreaded the festive season of Christmas. Now, the first Christmas season did not automatically trigger joy in Joseph. Think about it. He found out his fiancée was with child, and he wasn't the dad. And we're told in our text that he was looking to see how he could break off his engagement secretly. And I thought about that, and I thought, that's me. I would be doing it publicly. I'd be doing it publicly so everybody would know it's not me. It's not my fault. It's her fault. But he was trying to do it secretly. Now, now why was he doing that? Well, it's because he cared about Mary. According to the law, Mary could have been stoned to death for being pregnant before she was married. In Deuteronomy 22, 23, and 24, it says, If there is a young woman who's a virgin engaged to a man and another man encounters her in the city and has sex with her, you must take the two of them out of the gate of the city and stone them to death. The young woman, because she did not cry out in the city, and the man, because he violated his neighbor's fiance, you must purge the evil from you. Now, Joseph knew the law. And so he was trying to protect Mary. He was trying, it says, to put her away secretly. This first Christmas, it was not a good surprise. It was not looking like it was going to be a fun season, especially for Joseph. 
There's an English storyteller named T.H. White, and he recalled in his book, The Book of Merlin, a boyhood experience that he had on Christmas. Here's what he wrote. He said, My father made me a wooden castle, big enough to get into, and he fixed real pistol barrels beneath its battlements in order to fire a salute on my birthday. He said, he had me sit right in front of the pistols, and he said, and I was scared to death. My dad was getting ready to shoot me when all he wanted to do was salute me. Now, so here's Joseph. Joseph is looking at what's going on in his life, and he's thinking, my gosh, God is trying to shoot me dead. And God, in all of this Christmas, is saying, I'm not trying to shoot you, but I'm getting ready to salute you and to bless you. So the very first Christmas surprise, what is it? It's Joseph's wife, fiance, was pregnant and he wasn't the father. He thought it was going to be a curse, but it was about to become a blessing. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and took up residence among us, and we observed His glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The very first Christmas surprise, Joseph's fiance was pregnant. He wasn't the father, but there's more surprises. Here's another surprise. It was the appearance of an angel with unbelievable news. Joseph surprised yet again. Look at this surprise surprise in verse number 20. It says, But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as as your wife. Because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. Now, verse number 19 tells us Joseph was a righteous man. What does that mean? He's a good guy. He was a guy that loved God. He was a guy that loved God's scripture. He was a man who was devout in his faith. And I look at Joseph and how he handled this situation. And this is a calm guy. It says he took time to consider these things. Okay, I'm thinking, if this is me, I'm flying off the handle going crazy. Joseph took time to consider these things that he'd been told by Mary. And that's why, this is why I believe it was during this time that he's trying to figure out how can I protect Mary and go ahead and break off our engagement. And so it's here where we see the next Christmas surprise. I'm sure that with all the drama that Joseph, I mean, he's got to be worn out mentally. Exhausted, he falls asleep. As he falls asleep, God speaks to him in a vision by sending an angel. And the angel, in essence, tells him, don't be afraid to marry Mary. She's carrying a child. I know it's not yours, but it's been conceived in her by the Holy Spirit. Now, I thought about that, and I thought, it makes sense to me that an angel had to be used to give this message. Can you imagine if Mary tried to give this message? Imagine the conversation. Uh, Mary, it looks like you're pregnant. Well, I am. Well, how's that possible? I, I, we've, we've never been together. Well, what's inside of me has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. Guys, how do you think you're going to respond to that one? Yeah, uh, don't think I'm going to buy that one because that's impossible. So an angel, that makes it a little bit more convincing, don't you think? I mean, an angel shows up and says, I know you're going to think this is crazy. But this is true. And so I believe that Joseph, when he heard this, because he's a devout man, he's a religious man, he is a man who knows the Scripture, he pays attention to what the angel says. You see, it had been prophesied about hundreds and hundreds of years before that the Messiah, the coming Messiah, was going to be a different child. 
That his life was going to be different. That his beginning was going to be different. And whenever Joseph heard this message from the angel, it would be a time for him to say, Ah, now I see scripture coming true. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and have a son and name him Emmanuel. Now, humanly speaking, this is absolutely crazy. Humanly speaking, this kind of a birth is impossible, and yet it was prophesied about. As a matter of fact, the first prophecy concerning the virgin birth actually happened in Genesis 3. Think about that. The very beginning, God knew this was going to happen. Genesis 3.15, it says, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Now, God was telling Adam and Eve that there was going to be hostility between the devil and man. Between the devil and actually the Messiah. So well, how, how do you see the Messiah in that? It says her seed. It's the only time this is ever used in scripture where it talks about her seed. It is always the, it's always the man's seed. But here it says her seed. Which means it was prophesying right here a virgin birth. Now, you say, how, now how do you expect me to believe in the virgin birth? I'm an educated person. I know how the world works. I know biology. That is impossible. Okay, now it might be impossible with us, but let me share something with you. There is nothing that is impossible with God. Now, I actually have an example of this. There's a guy, his name's Dwayne Miller. He used to be a pastor. He ended up getting like the flu, and it took away his voice. The doctors tried to do whatever they could to save his vocal cords. Nothing, nothing was working. And so finally, after a couple of years, he had to, he had to leave, he had to leave the pastor and get another job because he couldn't speak. He ended up moving to Houston, Texas. He joined First Baptist Church Houston, went to church there, was involved in a Sunday school class. One Sunday, his Sunday school teacher ended up getting sick. They asked him if he would teach. Now, this guy, can, he can barely, he just can whisper when he speaks. And so they put a microphone. He reluctantly agreed to do it. They put a microphone right next to his throat so you could hear him speaking. On that Sunday, he was speaking on Psalm 103, which speaks of how God can heal you spiritually, but it does not always mean that he will heal you physically. It's interesting because on that day, they decided to record the class. And I actually have a recording from him teaching on Psalm 103, a man who can barely speak. Now, this is about a, this is about four minutes, but I just I love I love this tape. So I want you to listen to Dwayne Miller as he speaks, and then I want you to be thinking: God can always do the impossible. So when the psalmist writes, and he heals all of my diseases, let me say to you that. I believe God still heals. That hasn't ended. That is not over. Now you have to be careful on how you do this. Because there are folks who carry things to an excess and it becomes a show. And God has never intended that that be what it is. God heals in his sovereign will. I don't know why God does things that he does. But I know that he does. And the only thing he requires of me is to allow him to be God and me to be me and let it be. To say that 
every single person will always be healed because Jesus died on the cross is a misinterpretation of scripture. Not true. Won't work. Isaiah 53 doesn't talk about physical healing. I'm sorry. That's just not the context. And to impress that there causes a misinterpretation of scripture. That's wrong. On the other hand, to say that, since we don't have anything after the book of Acts, that miracles ended at the book of Acts and they never happen again, is equally as wrong. Because you have put God in a box both ways. And he doesn't want to be in the box. So, the psalmist says, I'm excited. Bless the Lord, O my soul. One of his benefits is he heals all of my diseases. And then in verse 4 he says, and he redeems my life from the pit. Now, I like that verse just a whole lot. I have had, and you have had in times past, pit experiences. We've both had, we've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit, in a grave. And we didn't have an answer for the pit we find ourselves in. And I don't understand this right now. I'm but overwhelmed at the moment I'm not quite sure what to say or do <laughs> I'm uh, Sounds funny to say at a loss for words. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I He redeems my life from the pit. <laughs> And crowns me with love and compassion. He satisfies my desires with good things. So that my youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. The Lord is slow to anger. The Lord is abounding in love. The Lord will not accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, that's mercy. Or repay us according to our iniquities, that's mercy. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Isn't that amazing? Now, let me, let me tell you something. God 
can take people who are broken and he can heal them. God can take marriages that have been destroyed by betrayal and he can restore them. What seems impossible with you and me is always possible with God. And so we speak of a virgin birth. We speak of God coming in flesh. It's possible. Now, Joseph was surprised. He's surprised he finds out that his fiancée is, is, is pregnant and he's not the dad. He hears an unbelievable message from an angel. But then here's the, the very last surprise that Joseph was to get, and that was this, the identity of the child. Who this child was going to be. Look with me in verse number 21. It says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. And when Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not know her intimately until she had given birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Now I'm sure at this point, first Christmas, Joseph, Joseph's head has about ready to explode. Okay, his fiance is going to give birth. He's not the dad. Then he has an angel visit him and start speaking to him. And then the angel gives him the identity of the child. He says, I want you to name the child Jesus. And what's the big deal about that? Well, the name Jesus, it means salvation. And all of a sudden, Joseph begins to understand who this child's going to be. He's the Messiah. And he's going to get to raise the Messiah. This child is coming in order to save and to rescue people from their sins. Y'all, that, that is the mean. We, we, so we're heading into Christmas. This is what Christmas means. Christmas is not about getting gifts. It's not about hopefully will I get an iPhone 10. That's, that's not what Christmas is. Christmas is a Savior. Came into the world. Christmas is God doing the impossible. What's the impossible? Redeeming us. As people, we we are broken, sinful, messed up people. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible lets us know that because of sin, that there is a barrier that stands between us and God. Isaiah 59.2 says, But your iniquities, your sins, have built barriers between you and your God, and your sins have made Him hide His face from you, so that He does not listen. That's a problem. So what happened? God said, I'm going to send somebody to fix that problem. 1 Corinthians 15.21 and 22 says, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For, through a man. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Now, Joseph was a part of a generation that believed if you're going to be right with God, you have to follow all the rules and regulations. You have to follow the law. And that sounds good. I like checklists like anybody else does. But here's the problem. God demands it to be kept perfectly. And nobody in this room or in the history of man can keep the law of God perfectly. Now, I do pretty good at keeping parts of the law some of the time. But I can't keep all of the law all of the time. Why? Because I'm a sinner. Because I am self-centered. 
Because I want to be God. And so what do I need? I need a Savior. And so on that very first Christmas, that is what God sent. The Savior. Listen to what 1 Peter 2.24 says. It says, He Himself, speaking of the Messiah, bore our sins in His body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. And because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, the Bible says, you have been healed by his wounds. Now, as we talk about Christmas surprises, let me tell you something. I hope this Christmas you were surprised. I hope you were surprised in a good way. Joseph was surprised. Surprised to find out his fiancée was pregnant. He wasn't the father. He was surprised when an angel appeared to him and shared with him unbelievable news. And then he was surprised to find out who the very first gift on Christmas was to be. A Messiah. One who came to heal the blind and the lame and the brokenhearted. One who came in order to restore man into relationship with God. Why do we celebrate Christmas? Because of Jesus. Because he came for you. Heavenly Father, I am grateful for this season. I am grateful for the surprises that you give us on Christmas. Lord, the great surprise is the fact that you allowed your Son to take on flesh and enter into a world of darkness and brokenness in order to give us a glimpse of the light. Lord, I pray that as we gather together later on this month to celebrate with our families, Jesus, that we that we will take time to consider you. Lord, that we will take time to consider that you entered into our world in order to heal our brokenness. Lord, in order to rescue us, to redeem us from the penalty of sin. God, we need you. And Jesus, today, we worship you for being our redeemer. Savior and our Lord. And I pray these things in Christ's name.